listening in. Welcome to Leading Well, where we get to know leaders and how they make it happen. I'm your host, Tim Davis. And I'm his co-host, Alyssa. Yeah, let's welcome our guest today. Thanks so much for being here, Bruce Stefanik. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Cool, man. Yeah, I've been excited and looking forward to this uh, for a while. Um, yeah, but we don't pulling punches. Let's just dive right in. Like, uh, if you're looking at your earlier life, what, what did that look like in the younger years or maybe even growing up? Yeah. Mm. My early life was um, a little bit uh, jagged, I think. I grew up in Chicago, and uh, I wasn't uh, uh, I wasn't a believer, and so um, I grew up in a pretty secular environment, big city, big high school, 4,000 kids, Oof. and uh, I guess just lost would be the only way to describe it, lost in a lot <laughs> of, on a number of different levels, educationally, socially, you know, just all the stuff you do in a city, and so it wasn't super healthy first uh, 20 years. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, scale of one to ten, how much did you like school back then? Mm. I actually did not like school. It wasn't a yeah. very uh, pleasant experience yeah. for me. <laughs> I think uh, later in life I learned that I had a different learning style than maybe mm. the average. And so back in those days, we're talking now high school in the 1970s, um, if you didn't fit the learning style, you you just didn't fit. And, right. and you just got kind of kicked out to the curb. Now, um, some of that was my own perception, obviously my own sure. fault. Um, I, I had trouble paying attention and <laughs> so forth. Uh, I love, uh, I was a kinesthetic learner, so I, hands-on learning, I did just fine. Yep. Um, but when it came to working through books and stuff like that, later in life, I actually became an avid reader and I actually loved to read. But at that time, I was kind of forced to, and it was you know, pass or fail. Those are the options. And so uh, it didn't, I just, it never gelled with me until after I, I got out of school and became, you know, got into my adult years. So Yeah, that's good. I mean, you and I have known each other a long time. I know that uh, regardless of uh, maybe uh, the faith component, uh, your parents were deeply committed to each other and to the family. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. Good. yeah, I had the uh, Leave it to Beaver family in the sense of four kids. I have three siblings. My dad was a World War II vet, so his life was super ordered. Um and uh, he had a he had a tough upbringing. Um, he was first generation American. My grandparents were immigrants uh, from Eastern Europe, and uh, and my mom was just uh, come came from a whole family of uh, dairy farmers Midwest. So mm -hmm. that stock of hard work, keep yep. your nose down, keep your you know. You know, yeah. walk uprightly, eat mm. dinner at five fifteen every day. <laughs> you, you don't miss. I mean, it was very consistent. Yeah, um, and and that had a huge uh, effect as as far as providing security. And uh, mm. they were married for many many years and so forth. So yeah, I remember a, a story you told. Like, I don't think your mom ever put gas in her car. No, yeah, my dad came from a that um, generation or genre, I should say, of uh, of people where the father and the the husband took care of everything. And yeah. my mom was super. Uh, capable. I mean, she was a healthcare sure. worker. She was a nurse yeah, yeah. for yep. close to forty-five years, and uh, and but it was just that was just that was his did. duty. A right? dad yeah. did certain things, yep. and, and a man did certain things, and a woman did certain things. And of course, now of course, maybe you get some pushback, but, uh, <laughs> but my mom didn't mind. She's no, like, exactly. I don't have to wear it. And I live in Chicago, and in January, Ooh. if someone else wants to put gas in your car, <laughs> yep, you let them <laughs> go for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're looking back, what's what's one of the first things you noticed you had passion for? Yeah, that's a yeah. great question. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was asked that question in my 30s uh, in, in a series of uh, kind of a battery of uh, tests mm -hmm. that I was working through and, and evaluations, trying to figure out how you're wired. Now I'm in ministry sure. in my 30s, full-time ministry. 
and 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 people began to help me and poke around back there. Well, how are you wired and what was it nature? Was it nurture? It was a little bit of everything. And what I discovered looking back in my teen years, I was a I was a gatherer. I loved bringing people together. Mm. I loved a networking. I loved seeing people uh, prosper, investing in people. So I was a people person. So I knew that um, I was never going to be a nine to five guy. Uh, I was never going to be stuck in a cubicle by myself with a computer screen or something. Sure. Now that's not wrong. I'm just saying that's not how I was wired. Yeah. And so there was there was something in my future in dealing with with people and development. So that's yeah. that's where I felt like. No, I think you know it takes all these different types to make successful communities and, and so on. I think that's one of the most powerful things you can do for those of our listeners is to to either know yourself, and if you don't really, then get to learn in yourself yeah. because that's the best gift you're going to be able to offer yourself and even your others, whether that's spouses, coworkers, bosses, employees. Yeah. You know, yeah so in the high school I went to uh, in, in the city of Chicago, um, one of the big things was, you know, graduate and go to college and get a good job. I mean, they were sort of those general metrics, <laughs> get a good job, get a high SAT score, get into a good college, get a good job, make lots of money. But I was always wondering, well, what is that? What does that mean exactly? What mm. and where does that end? What's how do you know when you're there? Sort of a thing, and and I think it, it wasn't until again later. Uh, so what that looked like for me is if you weren't good at math, you were you were destined. You're doomed. You're you're doomed to failure. And and I struggled with the guilt of that hanging over my head for many mm. many years. And one day I realized I'm not wired for math. And now <laughs> in my position, I hire people to do the math. Exactly. <laughs> I staff my weaknesses. Right? Yes. And I have stopped feeling guilty about something. I I'm not good at, and I'm not, right. and I wasn't wired to be good at. So, finding out what you are, how you are wiring, and now wiring is not everything. That's the nature. Sure. But then the nurture piece is what you know. What are those? I call them the pings along the way, where you're doing something, or you're you're working on something, and you just have this sense of, you know, I was made for this. Man, those are beautiful moments mm. because they're like breadcrumbs. Like, okay, follow yep. that, follow that. Yeah. Uh, Right, and I think everybody—if you just have some good coaches around you, mm -hmm. and someone that helps you interpret your environment and interpret your progress—those pings you can discover them and begin to see a pattern. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, that helps self-esteem, self-confidence, all those things. Right, knowing knowing yourself is uh, super important. Um, if you're looking at uh, maybe now we're moving forward to some of the things. Well, first of all, what are some of the things you? do now? I mean, you're a lead pastor um, and, you know, yeah. Yeah. So profession, I've been in, in ministry, in full-time Christian ministry for 38 years, my wife and I, and our two sons and their wives. And um, I never would have never... I mean, imagine that in, in my younger years. Uh, <laughs> I, I would have laughed at that idea. But uh, I had uh, my wife and I just had a conversion experience that was really radical, very different, and uh, very real uh, in our early 20s. And that kind of changed the course of our lives. But I still didn't know who I was, what I was good at, and right. where I was headed. And so, again, I just began to – the thing that I think really helped was – having some godly men and women around me mm -hmm. that were older, that had, that were wiser, that had experience that could help me again, interpret. I think that's what good coaches do and mentors do. They, they help me interpret 
life. They help you interpret what's going on around you, inside of you, and so forth. And so, yeah, I, um, we were missionaries for 15 years uh, in Latin America overseas. So our kids were raised in southern Mexico. Uh, they weren't raised in the U.S. Came back here in 2001-ish and uh, been in full-time pastoring since 2001. So yeah. a total of about 38 years. So Sure. Wow. And, and I'm sure along the way, you've developed uh, ways or routines or whatever that is, what are, what are one or two of those things maybe that you see yourself doing on a regular basis that you feel has significant impact or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I guess in a, it may be at the 10,000 foot level sure. in general. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty convinced of, of a few things. One of them is that, um, uh, that God created a world and he created it with order and he created it with design. So if I'm going to operate in this world, I should really have some idea of what, how the Creator thinks. So mm. the entire Bible, of course, is is um, aimed at that direction, but there's pieces of the Bible, like the book of Proverbs or the Gospels, where it's very, very practical. You think about something that was written 2,000 years ago that is as relative today as it was, it's relative uh, now as it was 2,000 years ago, that mm. it hasn't lost its... Uh, in the areas of integrity and and honesty and kindness and and truth and all those kinds of things. So for me, my routine, a, a life routine is I want to know what the author says. I want to mm. be aware of his word. And especially in full-time ministry, uh, you know, we live in a world that's pretty broken. So there has to be some um, response to a broken world that's not condemnation or I'm checking out or you're awful or you know, finger pointing. I think sure. as a Christian, I want to have some answers that actually work. So for example, marriage counseling, sure. um, we have this thing we call the trifecta that in, in our church world, people are in trouble usually in the area of marriage and relationships, in the area of family and in the area of finances. Those are the three big ones. Most people are not in trouble because they can't figure out how to grow their front lawns. They're, <laughs> they're in trouble in those areas. And so all right. those areas have to do with relationships, relationships with my family, relationships with my spouse, relationships with my money, relationships with my job. So I believe that the Word of God speaks to all those things, yeah. and uh, it gives us very practical tools uh, in, 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 in navigating some of the challenges and, and even navigating the failures. Sure. Life is full of failures. Some are big, some are small. Some cost us a little, some cost us a lot. But we don't have to be crushed by our failures. We can learn through them. And again, forgiveness, redemption, reconciliation, yeah. those are all biblical principles. So for me, that's a big piece. On the on the uh, maybe the more practical side or the more, I don't know, I don't know how you would call it, but I just have to watch my my life. I have to watch my health. I exercise on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I I schedule downtime. I schedule a day off that is kind of a set apart sacred day. I try not to touch it. It doesn't. It's not a legalistic thing. I don't feel guilty when I have to touch it. But in general, um, there's times of rest. There's a rhythm, I guess, mm-hmm. that I built into. Tried to build into my life a rhythm of rest, a rhythm of work. You know, a, a rhythm of learning, a rhythm. You know, stopping and starting, and and rhythms, man are everything. If you've ever had your heart go out of rhythm, you don't know what you got until it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned earlier that as you were entering, entering ministry, there was like a lot of evaluation of yourself and like as a team, especially like maybe personality tests and other stuff. Um, would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? <laughs> That's a good question. Depends on what time of day. <laughs> I, I think uh, by nature, I have to be some sort of extrovert because I'm dealing with people all the time. So 
it's kind of back to this rhythm thing. Mm -hmm. I, I think there are there are times in a day or in a week where it's like, okay, I need to. Uh, 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 I need to step out. I need mm -hmm. to reach out and go beyond my comfort zone, ask questions, listen. And so that's the extrovert part of me. Um, I think I've changed over the years. I think I used to be more of an extrovert. And, and I, again, there's all kinds of definitions and extrovert recharges being with people. And there's a certain amount of that. But the older I get and the more responsibilities I have and the bigger the ministry grows, the more those introverted downtimes mean to me. I, mm. I can feel, uh, say I'm at an event for two and a half, three hours. I can feel my batteries starting to drop, my battery right. level, my energy level, my paying attention level. And that's a big thing. I want to be present with people. I want to pay attention. But I have to recharge as well because if all I do is, is if all I'm doing is out there, out there, out there, pretty soon there's a saying, right? If you try to become all things to all men, you become nothing to everybody. And so mm. I <laughs> find that happening in my life. Just, yeah. So I've got to just withdraw a little bit. I've got to recharge. I got I need some alone time. Even in my, our marriage, I need some personal alone time. I need some time with my wife, and then you know that concentric circles moving outward. Yeah. So my staff and so forth. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, how about like music? Do you have uh, genres that you like? Mm. Uh, do you enjoy music? Do you listen to music? Yeah, uh, I do. I like music. Uh, uh, being from Chicago, Chicago is a, a, a kind of a hard scrabble town. Uh, rock and roll was was big, still is, right? And so when I was a kid, uh, growing up in high school and early college years, um, I mean, Chicago every week there was some big name in town, uh, hmm. and and we saw a lot. I mean, a lot of the the, the Rod Stewart's, the Rolling Stones, sure. the, you know, Pink Floyd, and so on and so forth. So I grew up <laughs> on that. But as I got older, I really began to appreciate jazz. Uh, we, my wife and I really love live jazz. Uh, it doesn't have to be instrumental jazz, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we've gone to, Portland's a great place to, to, to go listen to jazz, mm. uh, Mississippi Studios and other places like that. And uh, But then living in Latin America, too, uh, we have a, I have a love Appreciation for, for that. Yeah, for salsa, which is kind of a Latin salsa is a mix. You know, it's a, it's a fusion of cultures, Caribbean culture, South American, Central American culture. So Panama is kind of the, in Central America, of the, uh, the breadbasket, so to speak, of, mm. of, of salsa music, Cuba. And so I yeah. love that as well. It's beautiful. It's a storytelling genre of music. And uh, um, it's, it's, uh, it's fun to dance to, fun to listen to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Like, uh, there's nothing new under the sun. And so most uh, uh, things that I've accomplished, I've ripped off from other people and, and uh, uh, you know, and kind of molded it to, to whatever. But what's uh, one of the I mean, I'm sure there's lots, but what's one or two of the best pieces of advice you you think you got or or a concept that you took and applied? You know, if that makes sense as a hmm. question. Boy, that's a that's a that's a great question. Yeah. Um you know, along the way, I think I think God and his sovereignty and his kindness drops people into your life that are smarter than you or wiser than you or more <laughs> experienced, right? I think uh you know, in the book of Proverbs, one of my favorite books in the Bible, it's a book of learning, and it's a book of um, uh, that basically there's there's three kinds of people. There's a fool uh, who has to learn everything the hard way, and we hear people that still learn that way. You hear people actually say that I just need to learn the hard way. Actually, that's a really <laughs> dumb way to do life, you know. Uh, but if that's the only way you learn, hopefully that works for you. But the problem is that along the way, a lot of pain and a mm. lot of destruction can happen if you're living the life of a fool. 
And then, of course, Proverbs speaks of the wise man, and the wise man is someone who has accumulated wisdom and knowledge along the way, but he got it from somewhere, and he got it from wiser people in mm. front and behind and around him. And, and, so, and then there's a third person in the book of Proverbs, and that's the simple. And the simple is the, the raw material, the undecided. He hasn't gone down the road of being a fool, but he's not wise either. He is vulnerable. He's, he's a blank slate. He's moldable clay, so to speak. And so I think um, along the way, I think I've, I've tried to keep those three views in mind mm. and, and surround myself or ask questions, listen to, to wisdom in, in whatever form it comes. In, in the early days of my life, it was in the form of my father. Now, I'd love to say I listened to everything he said, but I didn't think he knew what he was talking about, right? <laughs> Mark Twain said my father was an idiot when I was 16 years of age. And then when I turned 21, he became a genius, right? <laughs> right? So the problem wasn't his father, the problem was him. And mm. that was my life too. Looking back, I would love now to have some conversations about mm. my father's experiences in, in, in the war and growing up and in a big city as an immigrant, you know, first generation and so forth. So there was tons of wisdom to be gleaned along the way. There's coaches and teachers and mentors and coworkers that have such rich, uh, rich things that have been gained or earned in their lives. You think about just for example, uh, people have mentored me that I've never met. Um, Timothy Keller. Timothy Keller is a pastor and an author. He's lived his entire life mostly in New York City. I've never met him, but I've read a dozen of his books. He has shaped my life. And here's the wild thing: a book is the best the best deal of your time you could possibly have. A man or a woman writes a book of five years of their experience in a certain field, and then they spend a year gathering that material, writing it. I could read that book in three hours. So I don't have to live 10 years of experience. I don't have to take a year to write it. I can just glean it from. So reading is an amazing and economical way to, to grow or literally being around those people, working on teams, uh, serving somewhere. You learn by doing. Um, and so volunteering, things yeah. like that, you know, and, and the idea is to grow. The idea is to keep growing because when we stop growing, we're dead. Yeah. Um, you'd mentioned volunteers and stuff. And so we both lead organizations that have employees and, and mm -hmm. volunteers and that type of things. What, like uh, to, the, to the other leaders that are out there listening that have some employees or maybe they're volunteer based, like what's a couple piece of advice you'd give about how to lead volunteers or how to lead employees? You know? I mean, yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, it's a question that I think the answer is, is always changing to some degree, but there's some core pieces in there. One is, uh, again, our organization is heavy with hundreds. We have hundreds of volunteers yeah. that do that actually make up our community. We're we're a, we call ourselves a resurrection community. The thing we have in common is that we all were broken, and the resurrection power of Jesus has changed us. But we're all different, and so dealing with volunteers is, in a way, it's messy, um, mm -hmm. and it's uh, challenging. But I think for us, it's valuing that in, that person as an individual, not just for what they can do for us, but for who they are. It's being willing to to again be patient and invest and the the return is enormous because you see that when they volunteer it's a win when they when they plug in and find themselves a place to serve that that is encouraging to others and encouraging to them everybody wins they grow the people they're serving get ministered to the organization mm. grows because you build 
a culture of healthy volunteers, a, a team, I guess. That's a whole nother conversation I'd love to have sure. sometime. But yeah, yeah. what makes up a healthy team, you know, the chemistry of a team, a, a group of people that have chosen to lay their lives down together and uh, and serve without, you know, some other crazy selfish motive is a powerful, powerful thing to be a part of. And like I said, everybody wins. Uh, everybody wins. Yeah. There's this thing that's inside of us, and we would say by our creator that there's a a satisfaction and a contentment that happens from volunteering, from giving ourselves away a little bit that you can't get almost any other place, right? I mean, yeah, even, you know, you do a bunch of mentoring and, and, and we're talking to a bunch of people who do lots of mentoring, but often in those mentoring relationships, I get a, a chunk out of it just as much as maybe they're sure. getting out of a, a nugget or two they might get from me, you yeah, know? Yeah, but, uh, I learn about myself. I, I learn about people. I learn about human nature. It's just crazy. Even even secular therapy will tell you, hey, if you're struggling with depression or something, get out get out there and do something for somebody else, you know? Get your eyes off of yourself. Look out, big, look out past your present circumstances. And that's mm -hmm. what volunteering does. It gets you serving and giving yourself away and in giving yourself away that's a biblical principle right you know if we give our lives away we gain them whereas the natural we think oh if i give i'm gonna lose no no actually the opposite is true that's the economy of god that in giving we we get and so it's a it's a cool thing that god has designed the world that way hmm. yeah one of the comments you make uh during uh relationship classes and and sermons or whatever is that uh you know you're your spouse holds a mirror up to me. You're talking about this specifically maybe to Linda, but that she holds a mirror up to you. And I would say the same thing about my life, that you don't actually need to say anything. I'm, I'm convicting myself because I can see where I've let you down or I can see where, where sure. I need to improve without somebody poking at it, you know? And so I think sometimes I experience that same thing when you're in a mentoring relationship. Uh, they're saying something about the way they view a particular issue and, and it exposes that uh, I've got work to do in that area. Isn't that <laughs> crazy what you're saying right there? Because I really believe if, if I was going to describe what mature leadership looks like, effective, mature, seasoned, wise leadership, one of the main qualities is self-awareness. If I'm not, if we're not self-aware, in other words, how do I, I, I think I'm wonderful. Sure. <laughs> Always. <laughs> so do I, by the way. Right? <laughs> but how I'm perceived may not be wonderful. And of course, I can only find out how I'm perceived if I'm close to somebody. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that somebody, again, might be a coworker, might be a spouse, might be a mentor or mentee relationship, but they're close enough to describe, to feed back to me, hey, hey, the way you say that, it's pretty harsh. Or, uh, hey, you're kind of jaded in that area. Or, hey, is there something wrong with this? Something, you just kind of came across a certain way. And I'm usually oblivious to that. What? What are you right. talking about? That's not what I meant. It doesn't matter what I meant. What matters <laughs> is it was perceived as harsh or mm -hmm. rude or uncaring or mean or something. And at that point, and, and it may be 80% wrong. But I want to be, as a good leader, I want to be 100% responsible for the 20% that's right. Sure. That's, the I think, the quality of a good leader or what makes for a good spouse or a good marriage. I take responsibility for my blind spots when they're pointed out. And that's, that's how growth happens. I would say that without a doubt, the people who are stuck in marriage conflict, in work conflict, in relational conflict, in political conflict, they're stuck because... 
they don't want to do the hard work of having someone hold up a mirror and then actually change. And they make excuses. That's just the way I am. That's the my DNA. That's why I'm wired. Da da da. Well, I'm just it, Irish. That's yeah, why yeah, I, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, or, my, my, or, yeah. my ethnicity, something, right? right? My sure. nature and nurture. But the gospel says the, the heart of the gospel is change is possible. Mm-hmm. Change is possible. And if Jesus can't change a human being, if all things don't become new, then then the gospel's not good news. It's not the gospel at all. It's just some other yeah. some other health book, right? Yeah. Well, it's interesting the comment of like communication is more like it's it's how it's being perceived or re- or received is sure. like what's the most important piece, and it's something that we should start learning. You'd think when you're an, a literal baby and your parent is speaking to you, right, and they're saying something, you have no idea what they're saying, but you're hearing the way that they're saying it, and it's something that as parents, it's probably that's sometimes the first time that people will maybe notice that is like okay, I'm talking to someone who doesn't like understand what I'm saying yet, but it's they're hearing what, like the way that I'm like explaining Mm -hmm. this concept to them. And so it's something that, you know, it's something maybe it takes a long time for people to learn, but it's like, like you said, it doesn't matter what I'm saying, it's how it's being perceived. And sometimes that's, the most important thing to focus on is an emotional, intelligent individual. Uh, so as a pastor, my, one of my jobs is to talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> so 52 Sundays a year, I'm not in a pulpit every Sunday, but let's just say I'm in the pulpit 45 Sundays a year and there's several, you know, maybe there's a thousand people that are listening to what I'm saying. I can go back to those people in, in six months and ask them, say, do you remember what I said? You know, back, they're not mm-hmm. going to, they don't even remember six weeks. Sometimes I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> right. But here's what people remember is how they felt when they were with you. Mm. They, not, they may not remember what you said. Now, sometimes they will. But what people, you look back on the people in your life that have influenced you, that have impacted you, that you've wanted to emulate, and you're going to remember how they made you feel when you were with them. Mm. Wow. That's what Jesus did right. when we were with him, right? They were, they were with him. And so, and that's... That can't be taught exactly. That's more than words. It's that's a communication that goes just beyond what I'm saying with my mouth. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, so if you're out there, uh, what we'd be saying in common language is be open and available, and and make yourself uh, accountable to, yeah. uh, to others. Yeah, yeah, be a yep. good listener. Ask good questions and listen carefully to the answers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Man, look at the time. Time flies. Yeah. It's time so, to wrap this up. Uh, Bruce, thanks so much for joining us oh, it's today. It's um, Yeah. Um, you can listen to our new podcast episodes air every Saturday at 11 on KSLM, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Leading Well by Valor Mentoring.